0: June 30th marks the one-year anniversary of the return of Issues Etc., and we'd like to celebrate this milestone with you. You're invited to an open house at the studio and office of Lutheran Public Radio beginning Tuesday afternoon at 4 on June the 30th. Food, friendship, and fun. RSVP to Craig at IssuesETC.org. We hope to see you here in Collinsville, Illinois, on Tuesday, June the 30th. RSVP to Craig at IssuesETC.org. Only marriage between a man and a woman
1: is valid and recognized in California. We respect uh, the court's decision, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I think that uh, you know this is not over. Big, straight, black, white,
2: marriage is a civil right. I have decided to nominate an inspiring woman who I believe will make a great justice, Judge Sonia Sotomayor. Mr. President, I greatly appreciate. The honor you are giving me. Of a little girl who's standing on the street corner. And a man walks up to her and says,
1: little girl, have you found Jesus? And she says, I didn't know he was lost. Thank you for providing
0: theology for clerical collar, white collar, and blue collar. Look, every movement has a, a big temptation. One of the biggest temptations is, they call it triumphalism. If a movement is relatively successful, if any kind of enterprise is relatively successful, there's a tendency to want to cling to that success and then become blind in many ways to problems that will inevitably arise in any kind of movement or enterprise. You know, the Reformation is no exception. The Reformation, as a theological movement, as a churchly movement, can be called nothing but a resounding success. I know that the people on the other side of the Reformation are going to disagree, but it is a success in bringing again to light the gospel. But it's not without its problems historically, and especially when it comes to Lutheranism in America, the mainstream of the Reformation still, it's not without its problems. So what is the current state of the Reformation, of the Lutheran brand, in the United States? We're going to talk about that in the first half hour of Issues Etc. today. It is Wednesday, the 27th of May, coming to you live. Pastor Mark Schrader, president of the Evangelical Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, will be our guest. We're going to be talking with him about the state of Lutheranism in America, and then in the second half hour of the program, Pastor Tim Pauls will join us to talk about prayer. In the second hour of the program... A very rare pleasure. Dr. David Wells is going to join us. He's been a longtime critic and also a full participant in American evangelicalism, and he has written recently a book called The Courage to be Protestant, and he's wondering whether or not American evangelicalism is over as a movement, theologically and in other ways as well. We'll spend the entire second hour with Dr. David Wells talking about that. Now, you can join us for the next two hours, One eight seven seven six two three. my ie 877 623 6943, or you can email your questions or comments to us right here in the studio, talkback at Talk back at Pastor Mark Schrader is president of the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. Pastor Schrader, welcome to Issues, etc.
1: Good afternoon, Todd. It's a pleasure to be
0: here. If you are going to be brutally honest, standing from your vantage point in one of the more conservative, Lutheran denominations in the United States, how would you assess the general state of Lutheranism in America?
1: I think your description uh, that you had just a few minutes ago was uh, about as accurate as you can get. You know, a question like that is sort of like asking what's the state of politics in America. Uh, It depends where you look. It depends what you mean by the question. But I think when it comes to Lutheranism, I think we'd all agree that uh, at the very least, you know, we've got an uncertain trumpet being sounded, uh, in the sense that certainly not all Lutherans believe or teach the same thing. Uh, certain parts of the Lutheran family, if you want to call it that in our country, have uh, you know seemingly abandoned a lot of the the Reformation truths that gave birth to the Lutheran Church, and that's a sad thing to see. Uh, I think maybe it's sort of a, an identity crisis as far as uh, trying to to send a very clear message as what it, what does it mean to be a Lutheran and what do we as confessional Lutherans stand for? I think that's a continuing challenge for us, especially when parts of the Lutheran Church seem to have gone a different way.
0: Well, maybe that different way is 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 well defined by a term you just used that I'd I'd like you to explain. The term confessional Lutheran, what does that mean?
1: Obviously, a confessional Lutheran, uh, it depends how you define that term. Um, We all know that there are different types of subscription to the confessions, obviously, and those who are genuinely confessional Lutherans would have a quia subscription, which means, obviously, that we, we believe and practice what the confessions articulate because they're a correct exposition of Scripture. And so a confessional Lutheran, above all, is someone who is committed to the truth of the inspiration of the Scriptures, committed to all of the doctrines of the Bible, as articulated by the Lutheran confessions, and doesn't pick and choose um, which ones are taught or believed and which ones might be uh, politically popular or suit the wind of the day. So a confessional Lutheran, first of all, is, is committed, first of all, to the Scriptures, and then is committed to uh, allowing the the teachings as articulated in the confessions to guide us and to uh, really serve as the 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 foundation of what we not only teach but how we practice our doctrine without apology, without um, hesitation, and without reservation.
0: Practice is kind of the the sticking point there because. Uh, We in the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod have pastors. You in the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod also have pastors who say that they subscribe to the Lutheran confessions in principle. But in practice, it's a very different story.
1: Doctrine and practice are two things that, uh, for a confessional Lutheran, you can't separate. Um, They are intimately related. Uh, Doctrine gives birth to practice. Practice flows from what you believe and teach, And so to try to artificially separate those two as to you can do one without the other just doesn't work. And I think, you know, as long as we're in the church militant, which we are, um, there's going to be those who, um, for whatever reason, probably with all good intention, lose sight of that intimate connection between doctrine and practice. Uh, There are going to be those who, because of their their own sinful limitations of judgment, make mistakes or do things that... uh, that with uh, better scriptural grounding, they wouldn't do. And so I think it's important for us that when, not to deny that those things ever happen, but when they do happen, when somebody's practice begins to depart from the doctrine we confess to believe in, that is one of the benefits, I think, and one of the important reasons to have something called a synod is that um, as brothers, we can encourage, correct, admonish one another, and try to lead each other back when we stray or when we make mistakes back to the, the truths that we all believe in.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, its history. How was it formed?
1: Uh, it's it's probably got a more colorful history <laughs> than even the LCMS in the sense that it uh, it's more fractured. Um, we got our start when the United Rhine Mission Society uh, sent a number of pastors to serve German-speaking people in the United States. And the interesting thing about the, that mission society was is that it, it served both Lutheran and Reformed churches. So our history as a confessional Lutheran church uh, does not go back to our beginning. Uh, we have the, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod and somebody named Walter to be thanked for um, bringing us away from the you know the, the kind of hybrid um, Lutheran-reform mixture that we started with. And it's really to the credit of the Missouri Synod that uh, our Synod was brought along to discover confessional Lutheranism and to um, follow that path. So those, those three guys came to the United States, two of them to Wisconsin, and one by the name of John Muehlheuser first went to New York, and then he joined these two men in Wisconsin. And together they uh, decided that they would form uh, something that they called the first German Evangelical Lutheran Synod of Wisconsin in 1850. It's kind of interesting, though, that uh, Mühlheuser, who was the first president, uh, he said something like, "I'm not in a posi- or I'm in a position to offer every child of God and servant of Christ the hand of fellowship over the denominational fence. So right from the start, these men were not committed Lutherans. Uh, it's interesting also in the, uh, in the first constitution that they adopted, the first wording pledged these pastors to the unaltered Augsburg Confession and to the other confessions of the Lutheran Church, and then sometime, probably a matter of weeks after that, the reference to the Lutheran Confessions was crossed out and replaced with the words, pledge themselves to pure Bible Christianity and the pure Bible Word." <laughs> so so we were not on solid confessional footing from the start. But by the time of uh, 1861, the second president, Bodding, was one that really steered the church body toward confessional Lutheranism, and it was his goal that um, that the Wisconsin Synod be known for a quia, not a quitanus, subscription. And then uh, by 1869, um, the little Wisconsin Synod was uh, looking toward Missouri Synod and wanting to establish fellowship ties. And that happened uh, in 1869. President Walther himself declared in his normal understated way, all of our reservations about Wisconsin have been put to shame. So <laughs> it was on that observation then that those two church bodies established fellowship.
0: Let's take a break right there when we come back. Why does the fellowship not persist? It's a good question. We'll answer it on the other side of the break. Pastor Mark Schrader is our guest, president of the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. We're talking about Lutheranism in America. You can join us. Our phone number on this Wednesday afternoon, May the 27th, one my IE, 877-623-6943, and our in-studio email address, talkback at issuesetc.org. Talk back at issuesetc.org. Ten more minutes with Pastor Mark Schrader on Lutheranism in America. Then Pastor Tim Pauls joins us from Higher Things Magazine to talk about prayer. And in the second hour, Dr. David Wells will be joining us to talk about the decline, the fall, perhaps the non-existent future of American evangelicalism. He says it needs to go a different direction, perhaps backwards. Stay tuned. Liberal churches interpret the Book of Amos as a manifesto for social justice, political activism, and the economic redistribution of wealth. But does the Book of Amos teach liberation theology, or does it proclaim God's law and gospel in Jesus Christ? The Issues Etc. Book of the Month is the new Concordia Commentary on Amos by Dr. Reed Lessing. Browse before you buy at issuesetc.org or call Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. The Concordia Commentary on Amos. Would you like to support the
2: worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. by making a regular, monthly, tax-deductible gift? We've made it easy for you to donate using automatic withdrawal. Simply fill out and mail the automatic billing authorization form under the Donate page of our website, IssuesETC.org. No more writing monthly checks or making monthly PayPal contributions. IssuesETC.org. Click Donate and fill out and mail the automatic withdrawal form. Thanks for your support.
1: Educating a new generation of Lutherans, you're listening to Issues Etc.
0: On behalf of the staff of Issues Etc., thanks to the more than 7,600 who signed the online petition to bring Issues Etc. back Christine Humphrey, Didier Ernie, Philip Woolery, Pastor John Freytag, Ken Schwiso, Daniel Durrell, Angela Lubesmeyer Hubley, Roy Isham, Lorraine Show and Pastor Richard Rickus. Thanks for your support. Have you
2: heard of the CLCC, the Confessional Lutherans for Christ's Commission? We're deeply involved in providing seminars to build up Christ's church with education and training for the laity. So far, we've held seminars on confessional topics at churches in Minnesota, Utah, Oregon, and Washington, and planning is underway to hold seminars in several other states coast to coast. Visit theclcc.org. Check us out. Get on the mailing list. Or better yet, join us. See how your church can host a seminar, too. Go to theclcc.org.
0: Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're talking about the state of Lutheranism in America. Pastor Mark Schrader, president of the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, is our guest. June 1st is quickly approaching, and with June 1st, the re-debut of the Issues Etc. Journal. It's been on hiatus since the cancellation of the show and its return, but we're ready to bring it back. And we're going to bring it back in a new form. That is, if you want the new Issues Etc. Journal... All you need to do is email us, and we'll email it right back to you starting June 1st. The email address that you need to use, journal at issuesetc.org, journal at issuesetc.org. Then June 1st, we'll send to you the new Issues Etc. Journal and every edition of the journal thereafter. Journal at issuesetc.org. We took a break with the uh, with the kind of the declaration on CFW Walther's part from the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod's perspective that they could now enjoy full fellowship with the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. What went wrong?
1: Well, I think that's a history that probably most people in both of our synods, uh, at least who've been around a little while, are pretty familiar with. Um, I don't know how much of a Ancient history you want to review, but obviously in the, in, in the 30s, the 40s, and the 50s, uh, even though we had been in fellowship uh, since 1869, been part of the founding of the Synodical Conference in 1872, and, and enjoyed just a wonderful relationship between our two church bodies for all those years, things from our perspective began to change uh, in the middle of the last century. And primarily uh, they began to change, I guess, as from our viewpoint, our sister synod began to explore closer ties with uh, particularly the American Lutheran Church uh, or what became the American Lutheran Church. And as far as um, trying to forge a relationship with a church body that clearly uh, was not in the same Room with all of us doctrinally, and those issues that uh, I guess came to the surface during those years of discussion primarily focused on two or three things. Uh, one had to do with the inspiration of Scripture and the uh, inerrancy of the Word. Uh, another broad area of concern had to do with fellowship itself. You know, with uh, with our sister church body beginning to make overtures to a church in which. There wasn't full doctrinal agreement brought to light the whole question of on what basis do you practice and enjoy full fellowship. And then I think uh, in the later years, the, the role of men and women in the church um, also began to, to become a part of the discussions. And we, from our perspective, I think, uh, carried on conversations and encouragements to the Missouri Synod, to please reconsider what direction you're heading in, recognize that, that you're abandoning some of the things that you've always believed and together we've always believed and stood for. And if you continue to go in that direction, it will it will ultimately mean that we're no longer one in what we believe and teach and practice. And those discussions went on for you know, 15, 20 years until finally in the early 1960s, so 61, um, we came to the conclusion that our brothers and sisters in the Missouri Synod were no longer willing to listen to our encouragement or our admonition, and we felt that we then had to declare what seemed to be very true, that we no longer had a oneness of all we believed and taught. Uh, If you go a little farther into history, you know, you go into the mid-70s, right up into the point of, of Seminex, as from our perspective, again, things kept deteriorating in the wrong direction in the LCMS. And then the Seminex thing happened, and, and it, it seemed, you know, like for the first time in the history of American Lutheranism, a church body that that had begun to depart from the truth was managing with God's help and with an awful lot of good, strong people to... Turned that process around, and it looked for a time like, like perhaps there was a hope for us to join back together again. But then that slowed down, and progress wasn't made anymore. So, really, the, the issues that initially separated us are probably the issues that uh, overall are still there, with the exception of the commitment to the Scriptures as the Word. You know, the Missouri Synod has a, a fine, clear statement on its belief in Scripture. But then you get into the whole area of, of, you know, the difference between doctrine on paper and perhaps uh, an inconsistency in what people are believing or teaching and possibly an inconsistency uh, in doctrine and practice. So those are still things that, as far as two church bodies, still would continue to separate us as far as the view on fellowship as well.
0: So, what are the two biggest criticisms that you hear? I mean, for just some, uh, an honest exchange here, what are the two <clears throat> biggest criticisms that you hear from Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod members about the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod? I
1: have to be careful about pointing out the sliver in my brother's eye without recognizing the beam in mine. Um,
0: but I asked. It's all right.
1: <laughs> I think, to be honest, the criticisms, or probably a better word, concerns, that I would hear are probably the same concerns that you would hear from those within the LCMS who are concerned about certain uh, things that are taking place within your church body. Uh, And it probably goes back, one of them is is what I just referred to, an inconsistency that uh, seems to be there, uh, an inconsistency in what doctrinal views are are held and permitted. I was a pastor uh, in in the South and we were surrounded by about four Missouri Synod congregations and really in those four congregations you had a very recognizable spectrum from the arch conservative old Missouri you know fully confessional church down the street in the one direction and in the other direction an LCMS congregation that was openly um, practicing ecumenical worship with with virtually anybody, and so and, and then the other two churches were somewhere in between. So that would be one thing that people would observe that there seems to be um, a real inconsistency in what um, views are tolerated and held. Now that's not to say that you know you could look at our synod and say that there is none of that. That that's not what I'm trying to say, but I think. I think, uh, from our perspective, that that kind of broad spectrum would not be there, at least not to that degree. And then the inconsistency of doctrine and practice, I think, uh, plays in there, too. You know, the, the, I believe the official LCMS view on close communion is close communion, and yet uh, you find that that's not being practiced consistently from place to place and from parish to parish. Um, Probably another one, um, an observation might be, or a a criticism, has to do with, I suppose, a continuation of what happened in the 60s, that it seems to be that, as a body, the LCMS has always seemed more interested in forging ties with those who have gone farther away from confessional Lutheranism, as opposed to... uh, Trying to reestablish on the basis of scripture and doctrine um, ties with more conservative uh, church bodies.
0: That sounds like my list too. So I think your, your original <laughs> instincts there were uh, uh, were pretty right on, Pastor Schrader.
1: Uh, I, I'd have one more to add to that, maybe real briefly, and and I think just from from an outside outside observer looking in, uh, the LCMS tends to be much more. Um, political in the way it does its business. Not that we don't have politics within our synod. Anytime you have human beings, there's going to be that type of thing. But um, your church body is much more open about your political battles than we are, I suppose.
0: Well, you know, and, and some of that is um, with secret shame, and some of it is, from my perspective, come on, we're human beings, and human beings are political animals. So let's, just, if we're going to be political, let's be honest about it and just say mm-hmm. where we stand rather yep. than acting like... You know, this is all some sort of, uh, we're all uh, without any political motive. I'd rather be honest. I
1: don't you. even mean political in a bad sense necessarily, but just, you know, for example, the way that uh, the LCMS, uh, the process for electing a president compared to ours, uh, our, ours may look very backwards to you, but, uh, you know, we, we do not prepare a list of candidates ahead of time. <laughs> uh, the candidates for our synodical offices are are, are elected or are nominated from the floor of our convention so no one knows going into the convention who those five nominees are going to be. So there's uh, less opportunity, I think, for for that. And that may be a a good thing. It may be a bad thing. Maybe it's better to to discuss candidates ahead of time.
0: Can you give us a few minutes on the other side of the break? Sure. All right. When we come back with Pastor Mark Schrader, having him respond to some criticisms that are commonly voiced in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, about uh, the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, in particular, views on the Boy Scouts, we'll have him explain that, and what, from our perspective, looks like a lower view of the office of the ministry. We'll also talk about the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod's position on prayer fellowship, and how much has pop American Christianity influenced Wells, as well as the other sectors of American Lutheranism. Our call in number one eight seven seven six two three my i e Eight seven seven six two three six nine four three. It's Wednesday afternoon, May the twenty seventh. Our in studio email address: talkback at ETC dot Talkback at ETC dot We'll spend some more time with Pastor Mark Schrader on the other side of this break. Then we'll talk prayer with Pastor Tim Pauls. In the second hour, Doctor David Wells will join us. He's authored a new book, one of several in which he tries to assess and critique the current state. Of evangelicalism in America, the latest, the courage to be Protestant, truth lovers, marketers, and emergence in a postmodern world. That's Dr. David Wells in the second hour of the program. More with Pastor Mark Schrader, the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, after this.
1: the radio voice of the Lutheran faith for the
0: 21st century. You're listening to Issues Etc. We know that many congregations are putting together their budgets for the next fiscal year. Please consider adding the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. to your congregation's mission or advertising budget for 2009. Simply go to the sponsors page of our website, IssuesETC.org, and find out more about the Issues Etc. 300. We're looking for 300 congregations to donate $1,000 to Issues Etc. You'll even find a one-page flyer that you can hand out. Thanks for your support.
1: This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, Executive Director of Life Issues Institute.
0: If you're pro-life, you're not alone. Actually, you're in the majority. Gallup Poll has just released the latest, showing 51% of Americans call themselves pro-life. Only 42% say they support abortion. According to Gallup, this pro-life majority holds true for both women and men. They also say President Obama may, in part, be responsible for the increase in America's pro-life views. Once in office, he wasted no time in pursuing an aggressive pro-abortion agenda. He's using your tax dollars to fund abortion around the world. He also supports the Freedom of Choice Act, which would undo any law protecting unborn babies and their mothers. This includes parental consent and partial birth abortion. Now we need to turn this majority into voters and take back our nation. Check out Life Issues on Facebook and stay more informed
1: than you've ever been.
2: On behalf of the staff of Issues Etc., thanks to each and every one of the more than 7,600 who signed the online petition to bring back Issues Etc. Stephen Wall, Joyce Faust, Jake Brown, David Garlish, Glenn Hubel, Lisa Durow, Rob White, Alan Carlson, Jeff Swoba, and Joyce Groomer. Thanks for your support.
0: Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're talking about Lutheranism of America. Pastor Mark Schrader, president of the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, is our guest. Let's take some things rapid-fire, President Schrader, uh, beginning with the Wells position on the Boy Scouts. Explain it to us.
1: We believe that uh, scouting is, is not a religion, but it, it is an organization that is uh, founded on religious principles, uh, generally, you know, revolving around a recognition of some sort of deity, and so participation in an organization that is founded on that kind of principle, as well as the uh, philosophy that's a part of scouting, always has been that, you know, you you um, you get into that right relationship with this this God by what you do. Uh, we ju- we just are convinced that there are too many elements in scouting which are contrary, just by their very nature and. By the fact that they're a part of scouting, contrary to what we believe as, as Lutheran Christians.
0: What is the, in a nutshell, the Wells position on the office of the ministry?
1: And this is one of those caricatures uh, that I think people have of our synod and what we believe. You you see things said now and then that you just cringe because it's so far off, off the mark. Uh, our synod has an extremely high view of the pastoral ministry. You know, we operate a ministerial education system in which every single one of our pastors, before he even gets to the seminary, is fully trained in Greek and Hebrew. Um, even our second career people need to do that before they get to the seminary. Uh, one one quote uh, just from our This We Believe pamphlet says this, We believe the church's mission is to serve people with the word and sacraments. This service is usually done in local congregations, and we look upon the pastoral office as the most comprehensive form of the public ministry of the Word. So, you know, with what we do as far as the training of our, our pastors who serve God's people with the means of grace, and what we say about the office of the ministry as being uh, something that, you know, God has established the office of the ministry and uh, given us the freedom to, to define the scope of ministry we clearly say that the pastoral ministry is the is the most comprehensive uh, form of that ministry, and I think if you would visit our congregations, you would uh, you know you'd you'd see the high regard and the high importance that we that we have for that office that God has given us.
0: What is the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod's position on prayer fellowship?
1: Well, prayer fellowship would be the the same. Um, we would have the same view of prayer fellowship as we have with pulpit or altar fellowship, because prayer is inherently an act of worship. Uh, We believe that we pray and worship only with those people who publicly confess the same truths, the same doctrine that we do. And so uh, it's interesting that when the whole matter of fellowship comes up, people often look at fellowship in negative terms as to what we can't do or what we shouldn't do. But the really proper way of looking at fellowship and practicing fellowship really boils down to one very positive word, and that's love. Uh, We we, we don't pray and worship with all other Christians, and notice we don't deny they're Christians, but we don't pray and worship with all other Christians out of love, out of love for God's Word, which we don't want to do anything to compromise, out of love and concern for our own faith, Uh, because we don't want to harm that gift of God, but also out of love and concern for our fellow Christians who may have some beliefs and some um, understanding of of God's Word that is simply not correct. So prayer fellowship really is a part of... uh, We'd approach prayer fellowship in the same way. Now, when you've got the biblical principles uh, that we certainly uphold and established. You don't want to apply those principles in a legalistic sort of way. Certainly there are going to be some times when you may have two principles uh, from God's Word that almost seem to collide, Uh, and then we're going to have to prayerfully decide which one of these do I apply. For example, um, my son is uh, serving in Iraq right now, and if, uh, if the buddy on his Humvee, would be mortally wounded and lies dying and asks my son, hey, would you pray with me? Uh, You have two biblical principles that come into play there. Certainly the biblical principles of fellowship, but also the biblical principle of Christian love. And I would assume that in that situation, he would say, I'm going to pray with this guy because the principle of Christian love is more compelling in, the, in this situation. So I, I, I think a lot of people feel that our position on prayer fellowship is, is legalistically applied. I don't think it is. I think we recognize that some sometimes, in some cases, there are exceptions in which good, sound Christian judgment and Christian love needs to be shown.
0: How has pop American Christianity, evangelicalism in general, influenced the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod?
1: Well, I think... Uh, all Christian church bodies are probably facing, you know, the the, the pressures of that. Um, there's always going to be a, a kind of a temptation uh, on the part of sinful human beings like us, who take seriously our desire to preach and proclaim the gospel and to share the good news of Jesus with others, to, to find ways to make that happen more effectively or better, and we have to understand that the faithful proclamation of law and gospel is is quite simply never going to be popular you know when you when you preach god's law in the way that god has given us given it to us uh, it's not going to make me feel good it's going to slay me and when you preach the gospel uh like paul said so clearly it's it's going to be nothing but foolishness to those who are perishing so even though the temptation is is always going to be there to try to you know, bridge to the culture and find ways to relate to people and make the, the gospel more palatable, more acceptable. Uh, you have to remember that if you do that, uh, you will tend not to have the gospel anymore because you'll have changed it. You know, finally, um, you look back to the early New Testament church, and, and I don't see Paul and the other apostles trying to feel at home in the culture or Uh, trying to preach a message that would be uh, appealing to the ears of the people that they were preaching to. Um, They preached law and gospel. They preached Christ crucified, and they let the Holy Spirit do the work. They let the Holy Spirit convict sinners, drive them to their knees, and they preached and proclaimed a crucified and risen Christ and watched the Holy Spirit change people. Now, I didn't answer your question yet. Um, as I say, we we certainly are aware that these kinds of uh, um, desires to get the gospel out can sometimes lead people to ask questions, you know, how can we do this more effectively? And there are times when I think uh, we have to be, always be very careful that we do not change the message in order to make it more appealing, and we have to be constantly... Reminding one another uh, as we as we look to how to reach people that we don't do that effectively or in a god pleasing way by changing the message in some way, because finally um, god 's truth is not going to be popular
0: finally, then, with only about thirty seconds, is there a potential for a real realignment of Lutheranism, confessional Lutheranism in America.
1: Well you look back over the history of Lutheranism in America and usually you notice the, the fractures and the breakups, but what you fail to see often is how many times in our own Senate and yours is an example of how when people um, recognize that there is a doctrinal agreement that church bodies have come together to forge new relationships or parts of church bodies have said, you know, we've, we've found people who believe as we do. And so for us, uh, I think it's just as important as it is for us to be able to identify false doctrine and separate. It's also just as much our responsibility to find where there is agreement and celebrate that and establish that where possible. So will it happen? Only the Lord knows that, but I think it's certainly incumbent on on all of us who are confessional Lutherans to be asking the question, you know, are there people uh, with whom we're not in fellowship now uh, where we do have doctrinal agreement? If so, then it's our responsibility to, to celebrate that.
0: President Schrader, would you be willing to be a guest again with us?
1: I would love to do that, uh, especially if you ask me less hardball questions than this time. <laughs> I can't guarantee that. But, uh, no, I, I wouldn't have expected that.
0: Well, as, as part of this ongoing effort, I, th- I think you're right on the potential to realign confessional Lutheranism, and I think uh, more conversations with you on our air would probably be beneficial. Thank you very much for being our guest.
1: I appreciate the opportunity. Very nice talking to you. Lord's blessings.
0: Pastor Mark Schrader is president of the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. when we come back from this break, we're going to be talking about prayer for the last 10 minutes of this hour. Pastor Tim Pauls will be our guest. It's refreshing to hear someone, a a church leader, that can um, articulate the position of his church body clearly, and as we so often say, evangelically, genuinely evangelically. And if there is a future, and I'm convinced there is, what form it will be, I do not know. And no one can say. If there is a future for confessional Lutheranism in America, against the tide of American evangelicalism, against the tide of old-line liberal Lutheranism, against all sorts of other tides, including the culture itself, if there's a future there, it will be with confessional Lutherans, those who have pledged themselves in allegiance to Scripture and the confessions, finding one another wherever they are. Our issues, et cetera, a book of the month for May— It's a commentary on the Old Testament prophet Amos. It's written by Reed Lessing, a regular guest on our program. You can find out more about the Concordia commentary on Amos by going to our website, issuesetc.org, or you can call Concordia Publishing House, 1-800-325-3040. We'll be right back to talk about prayer.
1: On behalf of the staff of Issues Etc., thanks to each and every one of the more than 7,600 who signed the online petition to bring back Issues Etc. Keaton Christensen, Pastor Craig Belke, David Clark, Robert Troop, Judith Wallace, J.M. Hirth, Dwayne Hillman, Mary Hillman,
0: Bill Fletcher, and David Wan. Thanks for your support. We're going to launch an online version of the Issues Etc. Journal on June the 1st. And you can subscribe by sending your name and email address to journal at issuesetc.org. Do Christians make progress in their good works? I've written an article for the new online journal titled, Sheep Don't Keep Track. You'll also find an article detailing Pastor George Borghardt's journey from Catholicism to Lutheranism. Get your copy of the Issues Etc. Journal by sending your name and email address to journal at issuesetc.org.
1: Radio for recovering evangelicals. You're listening to Issues,
0: etc. Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by joining the Issues, etc. 300: Zion Lutheran, Muskego, Illinois; Redeemer Lutheran, Fort Wayne, Indiana; Grace Lutheran, Auburn, Michigan; Zion Lutheran, Pleasant Plains, Illinois; The Lutheran Church of the Incarnate Word, Rochester Hills, Michigan; Zion Lutheran, Laramie, Wyoming. Redeemer Lutheran Seymour, Indiana Zion Lutheran East Moline, Illinois and Peace Lutheran South St. Louis County Find out how your church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues Etc. in your mission or advertising budget Just go to our website, issuesetc.org and click promote When your congregation joins the Issues Etc. 300 we'll advertise your congregation on the radio at our website and in the Issues Etc. journal Issuesetc.org and click promote the Issues Etc. 300.